Well, we're here having a noteworthy conversation together today once again. If you're a coffee drinker, I want you to go ahead and grab your coffee, grab your notebook. If you're driving, just don't look at your notebook. Just open up your heart. (laughs) But welcome. Welcome back to the podcast. We're here. It's our second episode of the year. And wow, so many exciting things are happening. Today's a special day. Today I want to talk to you about a mishap that happened in Scripture. A mishap is is just simply something unfortunate. It's something unfortunate that happened to somebody. And uh, you find his story in 2 Samuel. And if I'm being completely honest with you today, I've been very emotional about this this topic this week. I've been talking to my wife, Rachel, about it almost every day because within the pages of this scripture that we're going to be reading together, there is one of the most beautiful parallels you will ever see with the natural realm and the spiritual realm. Now, if you know me at all, if you know Nathan French. I am a note taker and uh, I like I like to use notes when I speak, when I teach. Uh, I don't have the greatest memory in the world. <laughs> and uh, but I'm I'm doing something unusual today. I have I have no notes in front of me uh, for this episode. This is not something I have prepared. This is not something that I have taught this week, which which a lot of times is what you amazing listeners hear. You'll hear what I've been teaching, what I've been thinking, what I've been praying about. And that's not what's happening on today's episode. This is just something that is so in my spirit that I feel like I have to release it out into the atmosphere. And it's a mishap. It's a mishap that happens in the book of 2 Samuel. Now, today I want to bring your attention to uh, 2 Samuel, and I'm going to read chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version today. A lot of times I use the New King James Version or the King James Version Um, But in my annual Bible reading plan this year, I have never read um, the NIV all the way through before, like I have the New King James and the King James. And so I'm reading a different translation right now. And uh, this is the translation I read when this got in my spirit. And so I'm going to read it from the NIV today. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 9, the Bible says, that David, all right, David, King David, he asked a question. He said, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba, 
they summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. So within the pages of scripture, you see the king, and he has found out that there's a young man who is broken. He's broken. He's lame in both his feet. He, he cannot walk. He can't get to where he needs to go on his own. He's broken. And the king asked a question. In 2 Samuel 9, verse 4, he said, Where is he? Where is he? Now, before we move any further, and I'm not going to be long today, but I want us to take a few steps back. We're in 2 Samuel right now, but I want us to step back in time a little bit because there are some very instrumental people mentioned in this scripture that are main characters in the story of the Bible. They're not side characters. They're not just some uh, hired hand actor somewhere. No, these are the main characters of the story. And there's a couple people that are mentioned. The first person that's mentioned is David. And then he asks a question. He says, is there anybody that I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Who is Jonathan? Well, if you go back to 1 Samuel, you will find that throughout this period in time in Scripture in the Old Testament, that the people had been ruled by judges and the 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 children of Israel said, I'm tired of not having a king. I, I want to have a king like everybody else has a king. I want to be like the rest of the world. And so God told them, okay, if this was what you want, I'll give you a king. You can appoint a king. And that's exactly what they did. That is when a man named Saul walks on to the pages of scripture. Saul was an impressive person. He was, what the Bible says, a head and shoulders taller than the average man. He was good looking. He was talented. He was tall. He was a warrior. He was mighty in battle. And at the beginning of his reign, he was a godly man who did what the Lord commanded. But Saul had a problem throughout his kingship, and that is he wanted to do things his own way. And so God sends Samuel, and Samuel is to go to Jesse's house, and he is going to find the true king, the God-appointed king, not, not the man-appointed king, but God's appointed king, and we know that now to be David. David, the, the shepherd boy who's out in the field, 
tending to the flocks. And the Bible says that Samuel goes to Jesse's house and he is anointed to be king. And it's important that we notate that he's been anointed by God to be king, but he has not been appointed by man to serve as king yet. Saul is still the king of the people. And as we walk through the Old Testament, you can see that David became a mighty warrior. And the people wrote a song about David because he killed a giant named Goliath. And the people were just so amazed at David. He was so talented. He was becoming famous among the people. And so they wrote a song as they would go through the streets and celebrate their victories. They'd say, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And oh, my friends, Saul did not like that. Jealousy and rage began to fall on Saul. And next thing you know it, He's throwing a javelin at David, attempting to take his life, to stunt the life of God's man because he thinks he should be the, that man. And David fled in fear of his life. The king wants to kill him. The king wants to kill him. And there's a son named Jonathan. Jonathan is Saul's son. And David tells Jonathan, he says, listen, bro, your dad is trying to kill me. <laughs> trying to kill me. And you can see this beautiful relationship, uh, this friendship, this bond of friendship between David and Jonathan. They are BFFs forever. <laughs> they are best friends, David and Jonathan. And the Bible says that it's a long story, but Jonathan didn't really believe that his dad, Saul, wanted to kill David. And they went through a whole series of events. And finally, Jonathan is convinced that my dad actually is trying to kill David in a jealous rage. And in that moment, uh, David has to tell Jonathan, his best friend, goodbye. He flees for his life. His dearest friend tells him, go, go. I, I can't control my father any longer, and I believe you, you need to go. He's, he's jealous of you. And leave. And you have to understand the extreme loyalty that's taking place on behalf of Jonathan. Think of this. His own father's trying to kill David and, and he's siding with his friend rather than his father because he knows that his father is wrong. You know, just because it's family doesn't mean they're right. And Jonathan knew this and so David runs for his life. 
And David had multiple opportunities to kill King Saul, but he said, no, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. I will not harm the Lord's anointed. And uh, the scripture tells us that something very tragic happens. King Saul and his son Jonathan fall in battle. They're killed in battle, and David hears the word that King Saul is dead, and he grieved King Saul. The Bible says he rent his clothes and he poured ashes on his head, and they fasted. They would not eat in grievance for King Saul, but oh, how he grieved his brother, his friend, Jonathan. He couldn't believe that he didn't get to ever really thank him for what Jonathan had done for him, that he had been a true friend, that really he had saved David's life when he could have facilitated the taking of David's life. He chose to save his life. And that is where we arrive in Second Samuel chapter 9. King Saul is dead. And Jonathan, David's best friend, has died in battle. And that is why you find David asking, what can we do to show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Jonathan's sake. And that's where we meet Mephibosheth. Who is Mephibosheth? Well, the Bible says, that Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. And so David asked his servants, he said, is there, is there anyone in the house of Saul or Jonathan that we could show kindness? And he finds his servant named Ziba. He says, hey, Ziba, is there anyone alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? And Ziba answered the king, well, there's, there's still one. He is the son of Jonathan, and he is lame in both of his feet. David says, wait a second. Did you say Jonathan? Jonathan has a, a son. And it hits David in that moment. I was never able to truly thank him when he was alive for what he'd done for me, my friend. But even though he's gone, you're telling me he has a son. And David chooses to show the kindness of a king to somebody who was his best friend's son. He says, well, he's, Ziba says he's, he's lame in both his feet. He can't walk. He can't get here. And uh, what would you like me to do? David says, where is he? And Ziba goes on to tell him where he's located. And in 2 Samuel 9 and verse 6, he says, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, 
came to David, he bowed down to him to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. The king said, don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. And here we learn something about the life of Mephibosheth. Verse 8 says, Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Oh. You see shame on Mephibosheth. He's ashamed of who he is. He called himself a dog because the culture treated him like a dog. In his paralysis, in his inability to use his legs, they viewed him as somebody who's cast to the side, and that's how he's been treated almost his whole life. Well, how did Mephibosheth become this way? Why is he broken? Well, in Second Samuel chapter 4, in verse 4, it tells us what happened. It paints the picture of the mishap because Saul and Jonathan had died in battle and they were being overtaken and the city was afraid. They were about to be overtaken by the enemy. And Second Samuel chapter 4, verse 4 says, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, she fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth wasn't lame in his feet because of something he had done. No, he was a product of somebody else that stumbled. I want you to hear me right now. Mephibosheth was not broken because of what he had done, but because somebody else had fallen, they dropped him. And somehow, when they dropped him, he became broken in that moment. He was five years old. Ladies and gentlemen, I am a father of three beautiful children. I have a six-year-old at the recording of this podcast. I have a four-year-old and I have a one-year-old girl. My middle son, Ezra, is four years old. He's going to be five in just a few short months. I can't imagine how horrible this moment must have been. Every time I've ever heard the story of Mephibosheth, I've always pictured him as an infant or a baby, and somehow the nanny fell and dropped him, and, 
and he never walked. He never knew what it was like to walk. But the Bible tells us he's five years old. My friends, my my four-year-old not just walks, he runs. My one-year-old girl can walk. Oh, my friends, what a tragedy. What an unfortunate mishap that here she was. She wasn't even trying to hurt him. She was trying to help him. But in her fear of running from the enemy, she falls and he now is broken as a product of what happened in that moment. He had been bruised by the mistakes of others. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. There are people listening to this podcast in this moment and you're broken. And you're not broken because of something you did. You're not bruised because of of your mistake. You're not hurting because of some awful thing that you did, but somebody dropped you. Somebody else stumbled, and you're still paying the price for it. My friends, Mephibosheth's story does not end here because it's so beautiful what happens next. The Bible says that Mephibosheth bows down to the king, and in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 9, the Bible says that the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. And Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth, watch this, guys. Mephibosheth eats at David's table. But not only does he eat at the table, but the Bible says, like one of the king's sons. But watch this. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And all the members of Ziba's house were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both of his feet. The mishap turns into the miraculous because when the king saw brokenness, it didn't deter him. When everybody else had just walked by him and laughed at him and scoffed at him, when the king saw him, he said, go get him. And Ziba's full-time job, oh my word, Ziba's full-time job is to carry Mephibosheth to the table of the king. 
He said every day when it's dinner time, Zeba, go pick him up. He can't use his own legs. He, so, something happened years ago. There was a mishap and it was unfortunate. But the mishap is not going to keep him from the miraculous. Because every day I want you to go get him and I want you to carry him to my table and he is going to eat here as one of my sons. And that's what Jesus does for us every day. Every day. Us that are broken and bruised and hurting and mental health disorders and physical ailments and depression and pain and and all kinds of brokenness because the world is such a crazy place and and we got dropped so many times and you've been dropped so many times and you're broken and the enemy wants you to think that that will keep you from the presence of the king but it is your brokenness that moved the heart of the king to extend an invitation to you and the church, who is the church in this parallel? The church is Zeba. We are Zeba, my friends. God has called us to carry people to the table that cannot get there on their own. And it's not their fault that they can't get there on their own. No, no, when they were just children, somebody hurt them. But the king said, where are they? Go get them. I want them at my table. And they're not going to sit at my table as guests. They're not going to sit at my table as servants. They are going to sit at my table as sons. My goodness. This has ministered to me this week, my friends. And you can see the the shame falls off of Mephibosheth. And even though his feet don't work, you don't see the pain in his eyes because he's in the presence of the king. It doesn't matter what hurt used to be in his life. He gets to be with the king every day. He gets to sit in daily relationship at the king's table talking to him as one of his sons every day. The name Mephibosheth means from the mouth of shame or a dispeller of shame. Just like you would say that Daniel was delivered from the mouth of lions, the name of Shibbeth means he was delivered from the mouth of shame. He was a dispeller. To dispel something means to prove something wrong. He was set free from the mouth of other people's opinions of him. Because all that mattered now is that the king loves me. I eat at his table. He treats me. As one of his sons. His very name means to prove shame wrong. 
And that's exactly what he did when he allowed Neba to carry him to the table of the king. I want to pray over you today. And uh, I pray that this episode has been a blessing to you. I can't help but feel in the Holy Ghost that I'm talking to some people that you are well acquainted with shame. You know very well what shame feels like and it doesn't feel good. And maybe some of you deal with shame because of things you've done. But many of you struggle with shame because of what was done to you. Because you were dropped, you were mishandled. Maybe they were trying to help you, but they hurt you. Because they were trying to run from the enemy and they got too afraid to handle you correctly. And they fell. I want to pray over you today. Because the king is not done working on you. No, you mean Jonathan has a son. Oh, the king wants to show you kindness, my friend. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we love you today. There is abundance at your table. And it's an open table to anybody that will come. God, would you help us to be like the servant Neba? Would you help us, God, to carry people to the table who cannot get there on their own? And we'll be sure to give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. I thank you for listening to this episode of Noteworthy today. What a privilege it is to get to be a small part of your day and speak into your life for just a moment. Uh, thank you to everybody who has left a five-star rating and review. If you haven't done that, please go take a quick moment to leave a review on the podcast. It's greatly appreciated. We love you. We'll see you next time. God bless. Thank you.